Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Skill, it's been 60 hours since Tekken 8 graced the lands, and I've thought about nothing else. How about you? Oh, the, my entire world shook. The earth split <laughs> open, and a giant, like, Heihachi-style fist burst through the ground holding of an iron eight fist. and I was like what the hell's that mate that's very obtuse what are you on about and then it just said <laughs> then another hand burst through and it said Tekken 8 and I was like what well the thing is like because they've supported because Namco have supported Tekken 7 so much when yeah. that trailer opened on the G Corp logo I was like no they're not but I guess <laughs> it makes sense like it's been like five years really it's just that there's been tons of DLC for it don't you so, just yeah. love as well the fact that it's like Street Fighter 6 is announced and then Tekken 8 comes out of the shadow and it's oh. like those two cannot like let go of the rivalry they can never let one <laughs> other have the upper hand it's always just like Oh, you're releasing the game. I'm going to release the game then. Well, so I'm going to do this. Let's work together then and make a really good game that is well, underappreciated. The, Tekken, oh, the, yeah. the crossover thing. Like we had Street Fighter cross Tekken, but never I Tekken enjoyed cross that. Street I enjoyed Fighter. That. Like, loads of people really hated that because of the gem system, but I loved mm. it, man. I just like the fact that I had, again, my boy Steve Fox able to right. use a Street Fighter combo and not have to worry <laughs> about, oh, people are going to sidestep you now. <laughs> I can't do that on a 2D plane, can you, mate? I just always wanted, like, because there were men to do the follow up where it was, because that game was in the Street Fighter engine, do yeah. the follow up in Tekken and then have the Tekken engine. That's the one that I would have gravitated towards because I, I was never that I mean I love Street Fighter but I'm, yeah, yeah. Tekken's my thing yeah. Um, but yeah like showing off Tekken 8 stuff um, we were talking before we were recording that Tekken now has the Guinness World Record for the longest running cohesive video game story right, in okay. gaming history now I have a problem with know. the word cohesive that's what they're hinging the whole thing because on because yeah. it's like it's like oh it's the cohesive one it's like yeah I guess it does make sense in the same mm-hmm. way that Kingdom Hearts at least makes sense if you use <laughs> the words like shadow and hearts enough like mm-hmm. it's it feels like Yes, there is a story, but what story is there apart from maybe the last three games? It was like, well, before that, it was just like, thing. loads of people show up and duff each other in the face, isn't it? <laughs> well, that was like, you mentioned Street Fighter before, like, um, Tekken 7 was the one where they brought um, Akuma in, and it was yeah. like, oh, well, he's, well, initially the teasers was that he would be behind the Devil, Je- uh, the devil Gene, and that's what led to Devil Jin, Which and whatever, amazing. but then he was more just like a hitman in the 7 story, but they've kind of ditched that stuff for 8, but yeah, I think like overall, like the whole like, idea of hinging it on cohesiveness, I've already watched like Jeff Gersman, X Giant mm-hmm, Bomb, mm-hmm. talk about like well, Mortal Kombat story has been running a lot longer. Exactly, and Mortal actually Kombat, has been fleshed out more. Like yeah, but it's like well, Mortal Kombat did like a weird time reset thing in MK9, so it's like well, technically it's not cohesive. Aww, but I'm like, yeah, it's still the way. same like timeline. Like it's Ra- Raiden's consciousness goes back in time. And also technically, if we're going to go on about all of these cohesive ones, then the Dynasty Warriors franchise needs to <laughs> shout out because it's the same story told over and over again. So therefore, yeah. it, can, it can only ever tell one story. It would have also been Metal Gear as well, if not like obviously Metal Gear's not going anymore, but like that that yeah, should have had true. the award. Because um, like even Metal Gear Solid Five from 2015 is bringing stuff in from Wait, 1987. Why is Resident Evil not getting a shout out? Uh, well, I guess I that, like, that 
That's uh, cohesive. That's literally like connected to the entire games. Actually, all well, I guess like Tekken one. is nineteen ninety. Oh god, nineteen ninety four or five. I mean, so it I was a like, launch title. Yeah, admittedly. Yeah, yeah. Like it predates Resi by a couple of years. But like either That's way, ab- I'm I'm calling absolute shenanigans on that. <laughs> by the way, let's get the hashtag. What about Resi? Because of the fact that like what about Metal Gear. That's side one. Side one. But, but yeah. let's get Resident Evil in the spotlight because obviously Resident Evil 8 got a new trailer as well recently. In fact, that's we should, we should be saying to people that this is the UBP, the UBP, the I was, UBP. I was, yeah. <laughs> was going to get there. This is the Entitled Partner Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Jules Gill. Hello, hello, hello. And we Where have we... seen so many video game trailers recently. Oh my so God. So many good games coming out that we are both so excited to be part of the industry. It's taken mm-hmm. two years and a bit, basically, for us to feel <laughs> infused again. But I am back, baby. Yeah, man. I think watching the Nintendo one, like I was expecting a lot more from Nintendo because they had 40 minutes to fill and then it yeah. was just a ton of farming games, which I love farming games, <laughs> but I didn't need a whole showcase of them um, as much as I am excited for Harvestella. But then, you know, the state of play, Sony's side of it, they don't have a great track record, but then mm. they ended up knocking it out the park, like um, Rise of the Ronin, the Yakuza stuff, Slash oh, Like man. a Dragon stuff. And obviously Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> Ragnarok. Like, I just, we'll get to the um, questions and talking points and sure. stuff um, as we go. But um, yeah, I just thought that like you were saying before recording like having this many awesome new announcements especially for next year and some of them for this year like Bayonetta 3 um, it was very restorative of like mm-hmm. okay cool we have awesome things to look forward to again um, and like games that just show off what the consoles can do there's so mm-hmm. many new gen only things now and um, where we don't have to worry about a PlayStation 4 version or an Xbox One yeah. version anymore because we've been speaking about this for so long that <clears> there doesn't feel like there's any reason to purchase the next console generation <clears> but now they're actually starting to make the jump and just say listen like we're not going to backwards compatibility like like make this uh for the playstation 4 the previous console generation mm-hmm. we are moving forward and this is the point to jump on mm-hmm. and whether or not the game's already good that's a different story but well still. yeah we'll, we'll see if it's uh yeah i guess the scale is like cyberpunk to elden ring or something like yeah. that whether or not they, yeah. they pull it off um but yeah so we have a question from jack asbury who says i really hope tekken 8's trailer isn't just another one of those presentation graphics situations um katsuhiro harada the creator of tekken got out there and said it was all in game said it was all mm-hmm. rendered in engine um and point and asked people to look in the background apparently they're doing a lot with uh, real-time storm rendering so that when you fight on that stage uh, the trailer showed Kazuya versus Jin um, in the background all those tornadoes and the way the waves work and all mm-hmm. the different ships that are being engulfed by the sea um, I think all of that is randomly generated or is uh, is rendered in a way that takes advantage of the hardware um, that's cool it's just cool I was too busy just looking at just Jin's chest to be honest but like <laughs> the whole state of those characters I, I just tweeted I was like step on me Jin Kazama just, just absolutely ragdoll me that, that dude's I'm look incredible fortunately I do feel like Jin would be a little bit more forceful than Lady D though <laughs> I feel like who, st- who sparked the whole step on me uh, true. thing it's true. I-, I feel like he would actually just like do it and then just pummel your chest cavity <laughs> in He's a, he's a calmer boy since second four. You learned how uh, calm he's down. Not calm. The... He is not calm at all. Well, <laughs> he sort of tried to take over the world in Tekken six. So I guess there yes, is that. He did. But, <laughs> but yeah, in terms of Tekken eight, though, we should quickly touch on that. Um, I, like I said, I've th- I've thought about nothing else. I love Tekken. It's one of my favorite franchises. Um, I was blown away by that thing. I just mm-hmm. thought it was so cinematic, but controllable. And I can't wait to just see how many of those cutaways are actually in a standard fight because they do a lot of yeah. zooming to um, like Kazuya's arm or whatever, or his face or a facial expression and stuff like that. But I love of fighting in the rain and the rain kind of accentuating the arc of a punch or something like that so cool 
It makes me think as well, if this is just one of the uh, background environments that they're sort of mm. promoting, then maybe this is going to be a key selling for, uh, point going forward, like that the, the the backgrounds have always been that, just backgrounds. And mm. admittedly, you don't want to be super distracted whilst playing. But mm. people are starting to realise that there is such a joy, an inherent joy of watching people fight on these online games, especially uh, in esports tournaments. So mm. maybe they're looking to make this more cinematic for the viewer as well as the person that's playing. So it's mm. a delicate balance to tread because obviously like I say you don't want to distract people with it but if mm. they can do stuff like have the tornadoes or the, and the storms uh, actually reflect the fight as it's going on so like if they land oh. a cracking hit with like a like a fist that maybe there's like a lightning strike or like oh. something happens in the background that would yeah. be incredible well they kind of embraced like more of like the anime sensibility in Tekken 7 like you had the Street Fighter influence which meant you had all the V-Trigger stuff yeah. um, where you could do like specials like Street Fighter style specials and then in the story Heihachi is like immortal and I know they've fought in volcanoes before but like that final fight in 7 between Heihachi and Kazuya is really really over the top and like mm-hmm. Heihachi gets buried in lava and everything but like yeah I mean even in the new trailer for 8 you have like Jin doing that big charge punch that like carries Kazuya yeah. across the um, the level and stuff so I'm like well you can kind of embrace like really over the top Tekken anime stuff like the literal yeah. Tekken anime is out on Netflix as well. What I enjoyed the most about the Tekken series is like you say the way that it's approaching fights nowadays isn't mm. just like oh here's a standard 1v1 thing it's like there's some sort of twist there's like there's a reason why you can only do like uh, certain damage in this way or certain like time restrictions and stuff mm-hmm. like that and I feel like if they push that forward more into a single player campaign mm-hmm. then we will probably be be looking at maybe one of the better fighting games out there just because it will be not just your standard arcade mode it will be like oh you've got to like only do damage to them in, uh, with low attacks uh, in this mm. sort of thing like trying to make them feel unique because at the end of the day everyone loves like uh, rushing through an arcade mode but mm. in this day and age when you don't unlock anything uh, apart from you have to buy stuff for like an unlocking characters yeah, and season that. passes then it doesn't really feel like there's much reason to go back into those things other than to mm. try and perfect your time or score I kind of hope that they bring back character specific endings as well. Like, I, I know in, in Tekken. Them. They were great. Yeah. It's like we, we were playing like Tekken 3 the other week and I'm just like I love going through an arcade mode and getting like a little bit a little bit more a little bit more lore for that character and I think that um, Tekken 7 story mode was fun it was them doing a Mortal Kombat where it's all like cutscenes stitching together fights and whatever mm-hmm. but I miss character specific endings I know they did certain ones like character packs and stuff but yeah I hope they do those kind of things um, next question from Alpha Oliver who says was the Nintendo Direct really just farming in Zelda let's <laughs> exclude Tekken Yakuza and God of War for a bit because you'll obviously be talking about those mm-hmm. um, what was your favorite from the PlayStation state of play outside of the obvious oh well I mean you are taking the real reasons the real meat and potatoes <laughs> I mean what was left after that well see Yakuza would have been mine or Like a Dragon yeah. they're, they're kind of rebranding it or bringing the, the original Japanese name over for uh, Ishin that was the one that made me giddy I literally couldn't type I was trying to type to Josh <laughs> oh my god because I look Yaku- I, I talk about my favorite franchises Yakuza is a franchise I've been with since 2006 I've written about it tons on the site I've talked mm-hmm. about it tons mm-hmm. on videos I've been one of those fans telling people to play it and yep. freaking out about it eventually coming to the west so when they finally said we're bringing the one game um, that you could never access in the West to PlayStation, I was freaking out. Um, however, if I can't have that, I'll have to have Rise of the Ronin, um, which oh, would be Oh, that was great, that game, Dude, it's actually. like, that is like, it's, it's Team Ninja. I always get Team Ninja and Ninja Theory mixed up, but I'm pretty sure yeah. it's Team Ninja, um, the Neo people. Um, and they're sort of um, doing like a really cool combat system where it's kind of firearm-based and melee finishes and like yeah. really cool choreography, um, but it's nicely over the top. It's kind of got a bit of that Neo blood in it, but mm-hmm. it's also set in like the late 1800s. 
1800s. Have you noticed that there's been like a, a big sort of push now for the sort of like feudal J- Japan centric games? We've obviously it's got like um, Mirage so coming out and we've got like, yeah, so Ghost of Tsushima has like obviously like come out and like really sort of opened the doors. But like Sekiro before that, and it mm. was a lot of fans were crying out for ages for the likes of Assassin's Creed to jump on the bandwagon. We finally totally. get that as well. But now mm. it seems that they're all converging at once and it's going to be mm. like, which one's going to be the best? Because I worry about market oversaturation with an idea. People will mm. just going to be like, oh, it's the same sort of vibe. It's the same sort of tone. But mm. I really like the look of that. Is it Wolan Fallen Dynasty? Dynasty? Yeah, Wolong. I think that's a, um, a Chinese. Because there's, there's Wolong Fallen Dynasty and there's um, Black Myth Wukong as well. Black oh, Myth Wukong. Black, yeah, that's, that's, that's completely different, that one, isn't it? That one. Yeah, but well, they're both, I think they're both tackling like ancient like Chinese mythology. So they're, mm. both, they're both like similar looking, I guess, in terms of like the broader strokes. But um, it's the Black Myth Wukong is the one where you play as like the, the monkey warrior where he yes. kind of has like the yeah. um, that general look. It looks like the original story that um, Enslaved Odyssey to the West was based was, on. Yeah, which was fantastic, um, by the way. Again, that. a game that people was completely slept on. I loved Enslaved. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, exactly. And it's like, um, yeah, for me, like Black Myth looks awesome. I am um, Wolong Fallen Dynasty. I forget um, the differentiable factors of that. I definitely love the combat look of yeah, Black Myth. They, they were saying that it's like um, meant to be set uh, in this sort of like uh, a broken age of the romance of the three kingdoms which is obviously mm. what the dynasty warriors franchise uh, bases mm-hmm. themselves off of and it seems to be kind of like and i hate using this term to the thing but it looks like a challenging game uh, that, <laughs> that seems to be rewarding timing focus parrying right. and i look at it and i think okay if this can be like sekiro uh, mm. but with like um i think it's the Team Koi or Koi Tecmo uh, working Koi behind Tecmo, it, yeah. that I really think that if they can add a bit more of an arcade flair into it, this could be like a real sort of hack and slash, but with a bit more edge to it that could mm-hmm. really sort of scratch that itch. Yeah, I think like you said, there's a lot of like really awesome Eastern representation coming across. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, especially when it comes to Japan, there was a statement from um, Ryu Gagatoku studio who make uh, Yakuza um, or Like a Dragon, um, saying that because Ghost of Tsushima did so well in the West, it encouraged them to bring across more stuff. That's um, amazing. And, That's great. And finally do Ishin, which is, yeah, I mean, like people like Yakuza fans have been waiting for that game for I don't know, eighteen years or whatever the hell it's been, fifteen years. Um, but um, but yeah, I think if we actually do talk about um, God of War for a second, did sure. you, what did you think of the Ragnarok trailer? I thought that it was um, really interesting. I, I mm. was I was blown away by uh, the graphics. I thought that it looked fantastic. Looked, run, looked like it was running incredibly smoothly. I mm. enjoy the increased range of attack animations and comboing, like being able to juggle with the shield and all of the mm. other stuff that will come from that. The grappling hook um, as well. The grappling hook as well looked amazing. I enjoyed the sort of like back and forth between uh, between boy and dad <laughs> because Young of the man. fact it feels like now that uh, Atreus is starting to uh, come into his own and start yep. to be more demanding of his father. Very much a case of like I will lead, uh, follow, and it's about there's still the uh, the fractured relationship that they have about mm. instead of Kratos basically saying this is the path that we tread in order to protect you. Mm-hmm. It now is like I can't dictate your life for you and I'm going to have to let go. My only worry is, is that this story, as we all know, isn't from the same minds as the uh, the amazing 2018 um, uh, reboot or Mm -hmm. or soft reboot or reimagining. Yeah, it's it worries me slightly in the sense of this. Is this story going to connect well with what we know? Or is this a step too far that we should Mm -hmm. have just ended things with the 2018 
Version. That was my initial worry because it's yeah, like you said, it's not Corey Barlog isn't directing it. He is still mm. a producer. He's like I think he's still an executive producer on it, so he's still going to have an oversee oversee the project and everything. Mm. But yeah, a lot of that, um, you know, the relationship between Kratos and Atreus was based off the fact that Barlog was himself like learning how to be a father, and I think bring yeah. all that stuff in, which is really really cool. Um, the angle they seem to be doing for this, which I love, is kind of exploring that idea of like pacifism in wartime because it's like in the, one of the original trailers, it was um, Atreus telling Kratos to be a warrior again and just fight again why can't you just do this yeah. and then Kratos being like you don't understand I've been th- I've done this for so long that I'm a broken man and like if I go near that again I don't know what I'm going to become kind of thing yeah. and I like the him fighting that you know like, if he's because all that stuff in 2018 is one of like whether he deserves love and whether he can mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. and uh, when he's reaching out to Atreus and he pulls his hand back and stuff like that so I'm just like yeah I don't, like can he be can he be um, embraced if he's the real him and what is the real him I think that's yeah. good territory I also quite like the fact that the trailer started spinning that uh, there was like an unseen antagonist that was saying like who do you fight for you're selfish like you don't oh, fight for anyone the yeah you're like fighting for like no one but yourself and then mm. there's that pause and it just shows then from that point onwards until the end of the trailer it mm. pretty much showed only actions of Kratos helping other people saving other people yeah. rescuing and connecting with others so I'm mm. like yeah like it is about breaking free of the of what other people's perceptions of you may That's be to, to, to grow as a human to help other people and you know mm-hmm. what the most difficult thing for Kratos outside of accepting that he has a family and he needs to be a loving and caring father must be to rely on other people enough to put his life in their hands because mm. every single other game has taught us that this is a one man killing machine that can get anything done and unfortunately <laughs> that comes at the expense <coughs> of him sacrificing others to uh, to get there. Like, mm-hmm. he's a selfish, horrible person in the opening trilogy of games. Yep. But this now, in 2018, we saw the uh, comeuppance of, of that sort of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And now this time here, it's him actually being at his weakest point because it's him being his most vulnerable. It's about him opening up, hopefully, and being like, I need help. Like, I mm-hmm. need you more than you need me in this case. Well, he and- says at the end of the 2018 one, you know, we must be better. Like, you need to do better than I have. You need to have a different philosophy when it comes to, like, taking action or killing yeah. or whatever. And so, yeah, I like the idea that somewhere along the way, as Atreus gets older, he wants to be more primal. Like, one of the best things they ever did in the 2018 one was when Atreus just becomes like a bit like a dick when he realizes that he has He's the god powers. Power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just becomes how Kratos was when he was younger. And then Kratos gets to see what that was like. I love mm. that whole thing. I remember people saying like, oh, Atreus is so horrible in the, those scenes. I hated looking after him. I'm like, yeah, Kratos was horrible in the original trilogy. If you go back to it, it just sucks. Like he's a terrible character in those games. And also ask any parent, like at any age, mm. their kid will do something horrible to them that is so mean and cruel because they just don't think of the ramifications of their actions. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, all they've got to do is smile and take it because of the fact that their <laughs> love has to basically overwrite that immediate nastiness. Mm-hmm. And that must be the toughest thing to do for a parent. Yeah, um, and so I, I kind of... Th- oh, go on. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that I love this one moment in the trailer when... Um, uh, Atreus says to him like like we've got to do this basically mm-hmm. and he just goes and he's like you got to do this but you're not like understanding it's like I do it anyway and yeah. I don't understand and like that is a huge moment of character development considering where we were when the God of War series started mm-hmm. like he has no 
clear direction of where he's going, but he is trusting enough in his son to just be like, look, I'm here on your journey. I'm supporting you. And that Mm -hmm. must be so tough. Like also like speaking of that journey, I mean, whatever spoilers for the 2018 God of War in terms of, I think we're safe at this point. Like, I mean, it is 2022. Like, yeah, but it's like, um, there's a bit in that game towards the end where Kratos sees a mural of essentially himself dying. Mm -hmm. um, And he doesn't tell Atreus about it, but like, it seems like the, the world snake is coming out of Kratos's mouth and it seems like Atreus is going to survive and Kratos is going to die and become the world servant which would explain why Jormungandr the world servant is white with like red specks on him as if that is Kratos protecting the world or whatever Um, but in the new trailer there's that whole bit where Atreus fires the arrow at the sun and seems to actually trigger Ragnarok that was crazy it's such a cool effect and like obviously Fenrir is there um, like howling at the the moon and everything and um, there's that bit where Kratos like holds um, shakes uh, Tyr's hand and Tyr can go between realms and everything everything i think they're doing something some sort of deal um with tier or whatever to like save that to prevent that mural from coming true basically i don't think kratos is going to die anymore what i found it especially interesting about that scene is that i know that we are very much into the uh, norse and uh, slightly celtic mythology mm. um but there that scene in particular reminded me so much of um remember when i know this is like not their source of inspiration mm. but you remember when um in hercules the animated film where like <laughs> uh, they changed the night and day and the chariots uh, i can't remember which god it is which greek uh, god mm-hmm. goes but he like rides his chariot and it changes from night to day and Probably it made me think like because obviously yeah. there's a few scenes in there where there's people talking about the all father there's people talking about that i know that we've left the greek mythology behind us mm. but maybe Maybe we might see some of it bleed back in for some of the gods well, we haven't actually faced because that I don't know that one image just triggered me to be like oh that's specifically well, do, weird. Um, the dude with the chariots in God of War three, and I said it's a different person, but like in terms of the Greek mythology coming back, like the geography of that world is kind of crazy because Kratos walks away from Greek mythology and yeah, walks yeah, into and Norse mythology. It's so it's bizarre, like, isn't it? It's all just taking place at the same time. And then, yeah, I mean, you mentioned that guy that comes to his door um, in the trailer. That's Odin, even because the, mm, the casting mm. for that dude is out. I forget who it is, but it's some guy from TV. Um, and so, like, Odin's obviously going to be, like, a, a main character. And we know that Thor's in it because he clashes with him at the end. Um, and he was in the end of the 2018 one. So there's a lot going on. I think for a game that's barely been shown and there's been a lot of stories around it being delayed. And, like, it's just it seemed like it had a bit of a weird development. And then, you know, since Barlog has returned to Twitter and said, like, no, it is coming out. Mm-hmm. It's definitely going to hit its release day. Um, that was arguably the best trailer in quite some time to like restore a lot of people's faith and be like, there's a ton of story stuff to get to. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look about it right now. The trailer was three minutes in length and we have spent 10 minutes talking about <laughs> it. And there's so much more to dissect about it. Like, I am so hyped for this game. Yeah. it's a, Yeah. That one, um, if it wasn't for um, the Like a Dragon slash Akaza stuff, that would be my game of the whole show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that stuff in Tekken was what blew me away. Um, next question from Gula Loper, who says, my question for you is, why does Nintendo skip out on franchises like Star Fox, ARMS, or even the likes of Donkey Kong when IPs like Rune Factory get continual releases? <laughs> Not everything can do Mario Zelda-level sales, but, they sh- but, but shouldn't they still get their time to shine? Uh, I mean, I've been speaking about this recently. I think that <laughs> Nintendo have the most bizarre way of showing affection for the fan support that they get. Like It's like, oh, thank you so much for your love and support. Oh, that's mm. great. And uh, now we're going to release a timed exclusive uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars pack and uh, mm-hmm. it's gone uh, so you better buy it now FOMO <laughs> FOMO FOMO it's, it's like they, they, they do weird decisions for a company that seems to be so family friendly in all of their advertising it just seems True. to be like oh come join part of us we're all part of the crew but I'm mm-hmm. going to repeatedly gouge 
issue with first party titles oh, and, they, and like string out releases for so long. Yeah, they they have a warm they're warm to the touch, but they have a cold heart. Like oh, they, are, they have much. a cold business heart. I mean, like they look at their pricing model. Like they don't that whole thing about Nintendo titles don't depreciate. The fact mm-hmm. that games are more if the same game is more expensive on a Switch than it is on every other console and it plays worse. And um, the, the amount of you know blood they can get from a stone, let's say, when it comes to the Switch in general, or releasing the OLED Switch rather than the the, um, the 4K the Switch, new one, yeah, or whatever. Um, yeah, their prices are always ridiculous. They'll always choose business first. I think they have a good because they've been been going for so long and they're so charming. You kind of go, ah, Nintendo, oh you, oh stuff. Like, oh, we're gonna play yeah. Pokemon Stadium on the Switch, oh you. I mean, I know that they tried bringing Star Fox back a few years ago and it didn't sell very well. And I think a nah. lot of Star Fox fans kind of just went, did we used to love this or did they get it wrong or whatever? Um, no, this, yeah. I, I will I will defend this. I feel like they got that wrong because it was like it was the same with um, Star Fox Adventures. It was like, oh, mm. you love the character of Star Fox, don't you? It's like, no, we love the right. space combat and the characters <laughs> as a side bit. So mm-hmm. please let's have more space combat. And then this time around, they were like, okay, let's give you tons of really easy space combat. Mm. And then this sort of weird ground chicken walker style thing <laughs> that everyone hated. And yet it was just forced into so many things. It's like, mm. why would I want to use this? There was that um, that strategy one they did as well. Cause it was like, they did like a regular Star Fox, Star Fox Zero yeah. or something. And then yeah. there was that like sort of, I, I never played it, but it was like an arena based turn based I never got into that one, but I I, it looked okay. Star Fox God, I think it was called. But yeah, um, yeah I think the for Nintendo, like they they roll very specific dices uh, or a specific die, and I feel like the likes of Mario and Zelda just they you're always gonna, if you look at um, if you ever go to Wikipedia and look at the list of Mario games, there's been a Mario game every single year, sometimes yeah. multiple. Um, and I feel like they just kind of bank on that so much that they don't bother putting the resources into as many other things as they could. The thing that's interesting with Nintendo is that I was trying to think of what is their newest. IP because it's definitely Splatoon but before that I don't think they had a new IP for like 25 years or something like you think of Mario, Zelda um, whatever Donkey Kong they're all 80s or early 90s IP Hold up what was that? Boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates 
fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employees agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And it wasn't until, I think, I forget when the first Splatoon was, 2014 or something. Something um, like that, yeah. You know, like, they, just, they didn't actually do that. So I looked into Splatoon, and it is by the dude that did Yoshi's uh, Yoshi's World or whatever back in the day, and he worked on some Animal Crossing games. So it's a, it is a Nintendo-born IP. But, yeah, they barely ever foster new IP. Like, it's, they However, always just kind of go with Mario Zelda. We have to say, though, that uh, finally, when they <clears> do <throat> give you, like, a crumb, it is a sizable <laughs> crumb. Because, obviously, not only did we get the uh, the new Legend of Zelda teaser, which I will we'll speak about in a minute, but in mm. short, I think it looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but they gave us Pikmin 4 as well, and I'm like, okay, okay, all is forgiven because I, I guess love one of their Pikmin. Ones. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie, I've still never played Pikmin. I just, it never, it never grabbed what? me, but I've got the demo for it. I would say get that uh, get that Pikmin four down, you mate, and just mm. keep keep an eye on that because I reckon it will probably be a, a good one. It's just it's, it's chill, but at the same time, can be uber stressful if you don't manage your resources right. Interesting, because I'm I'm a big Lemmings fan back in the day, and Pikmin gives yeah, me Lemmings. There's a lot vibes. of Lemmingsy vibe. Like right. keep your guys alive, like try and save them. Use specific things here to mm. do that. Yeah, it's 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 a good laugh. It really, is a good laugh. I, I agree with uh, Lopa overall that I would I would like to have at least my whole thing with any game company is why is your catalogue of titles not available? Like if if you're a, if you just want to test the waters with Star Fox, why not make those games available? It tends to be that they want to wait until something's in the oven, and then they go, "Hey, by the way, you can go play, you know, Star Fox 64 or whatever," mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which I think is actually on the Switch Online service. Um, but still, I feel like they use them as like a marketing rollout. When I, I would like the idea of here's Nintendo history, but playable. Like, why not yeah, dive 100%. into every single thing? Yeah. Um, I think they could do uh, more in that regard. Um, but yeah, Breath of the Wild 2. Um, I kind of was amazed that they only showed like 15 seconds. Like, it was very little, but at least it was a new ability in there. Yeah, I think that it's one of those things where maybe less is more this time around mm. because we all knew it was coming. Uh, it was just nice to have it confirmed. Mm. And we, you and I, are always saying like how uh, we hate it when games reveals too much too early and then you have to wait for such a long time. So True. maybe this tiny little teaser just showing off like new abilities, new new uh, landscapes and some like uh, beautiful updated graphics. Mm. Like I do feel like they are really making the Switch work hard now because I looked at it and I just thought like that's absolutely stunning mm. i love that sort of like pastely watercolor style effect that they've got going on with it and Same. the ability to like soar over those uh those lands mm-hmm. it's just like it's giving a new freedom and dimensions to it and i'm like oh this is, this is great it looks, very uh, happy. it looks very nice i what if that's from a new switch model that's why it looks oh, so smooth and so and it's able to handle true. the landscapes i just i'm not shift i until they prove me wrong i'm sure that game's coming out with a new nintendo switch it's been five years since the original 
thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That think, could make a lot of sense. You know, they do a hardware refresh like painfully, like nearly every Switch game struggles. Um, like, well, it's all moved up to cloud stuff. now, hasn't it? Because of the storage space. Stuff like Resi stuff has, like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was another nice touch, actually, that uh, Resident Evil uh, 2, 3, and the, the remakes of them, and there was mm-hmm. one other one. I and can't Village. remember which one. That was what I was. Village, they're all coming to cloud. And I was like, yeah. good. That's really, really cool. It's cool for people to, yeah, have access points for those games. I think that, like, I'm never going to enjoy playing something on a cloud. Like, it's always, I can always tell the lag. Um, but, yeah, yeah it's, it's cool that they're on there, though, in terms because like, Hitman's on there, too. Um, but, yeah, I thought, I mean, I Breath of the Wild, Game of the Year back in 2017, like, that mm-hmm. thing is, trying, like, if you ever want to have, be reminded of the purity of video games, just go play Breath of the Wild. It's such a yeah. reminder of what games used to be and still can be, uh, divorced from a million loot systems and everything. <laughs> um, so hopefully that's kind of what it continues for. Um, Tears of the Kingdom, what do you think of the name of it? Tears or um, Tears? Fear, fine. Yeah. Just, just kind of like Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom. Like, that kind of is like, <laughs> are we doing? The thing. The, are we just doing other the things sort of thing? And that's Maybe. Like, eh, okay. It kind of hints at like the, um, I guess, the emotional side of it because it seems like, um, I guess, Zelda has lost at this point in the story. Like, because mm-hmm. um, she was going to go off and be a fight Ganon for thousands of years again or whatever. Like, they're locked in a mortal conflict at the end of Breath of the Wild. So, so let me get this straight in terms of the specific timeline for Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. So we've got the Hyrule Warriors game, Calamity Ganon one. That's I don't like know if they're that, canon, but that, yes. that's a prequel, effectively. To well, that, yeah, because that's like the war that happened between like the machines and Ganon's. Then it goes into Breath of the Wild. But yes. are we saying are we a hundred percent sure that this Tears of the Kingdom is a Breath of the Wild sequel, or is it another adjacent? I think universe. it has to be after. It would have to. It has to be after. Well, that's an interesting question. I, at the top of my head, because, because Calamity Ganon, he like he, he sacrifices his invulnerability and mm. immortality for more power, doesn't mm-hmm. he? So well, you see him in the original reveal trailer for what we used to call Breath of the Wild too, where it's like the actual Ganon's body is like underneath the um, the castle or whatever. So it's mm. like um, I guess you could switch them around, but I'm assuming this is after because at the end of Breath of the Wild, um, Zelda is like, "I'm going to go off and fight Ganon, and you know, you just take care of the land, and I'll go and take." care of yeah, him yeah. Um, and then in the tri- in the teaser for this it's like well his body's still there his spirit isn't defeated whatever so like that's what leads into Tears of the Kingdom five years it's five years yeah. since I've seen those cutscenes though so I, I don't know I was a bit uh, disappointed in the sense that um, it would have been lovely to have uh, Zelda actually be the main star of this one she because that would have made sense in terms of the but yeah you might be right this may actually be one of those bait and switch Metal Gear Solid 2 things where mm. we actually uh, think it's going to be solid uh, Link but mm-hmm. instead we get a uh, liquid Zelda well, that got, doesn't like, sound right things like like um, the Sheikah Slate that you can use, like, you know, the, the Sheikah iconography is all around, like, very di- different clans inside the Breath of the Wild, um, the realm inside in Hyrule. So you could do another version of Sheik. I mean, maybe that's what they're building to. Maybe. Um, coming back or something. Um, I mean, but these yeah. stories are basically the same story just told a million times over, isn't it? So, like, we, we have our principles to work on. It's just a few tweaks here and yeah. there. It's just Nintendo's business model as a video game or as a, as a tale that they can keep going back to. What do you think about their sort of, like, push towards uh, verticality, though? Because it's like having mm-hmm. the stone bird to fly on, to have the, like, the lands above that you dove off from. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like they're going to focus less on like having an open world to explore on the ground and more like aerial combat stuff like Skyward Sword? Do you think it's going to be that? Push. That's what's that's so interesting because like they're reusing a lot. It looks like they're reusing the overall map from Breath of the Wild. So it's like, well, how much yeah. can you chop that up? And um, yeah, it was very Skyward Sword. I feel like that's why they remastered Skyward Sword last year to sort mm-hmm. of remind people of like all the, the the sky stuff in terms of the the flight and everything. That's what I loved the most about Skyward Sword because I hated the rest of it. Um, but I think that it's like, a the real actual... shame because there's a great game there. It just mm. seems to hamper itself with its own like repetitive like nature and the end yeah. villain just was not compelling at it all. It goes on me. way too long. Like every mm. boss fight is. 
it's really repetitive. But yeah, I think um, yeah, I, mean, I, I kind of hope that they kind of set it like more above Hyrule, but it, it's going to need a, a level of hardware finesse to pull that off, which is why I think it's a new Switch, um, mm-hmm. unless like they've mastered something to do with Switch architecture that no one else has been able to do and render a whole open world as well as they can. But yeah, well, I guess I'll say, they, man, is like look at the PlayStation Two as a perfect example. When those mm-hmm. games first came out, and there they were ropey as hell, and towards the end of that life cycle, <laughs> they had squeezed every bit of juice out of that one, That's and true. that was a long life cycle to be fair. I do like um, the ability they showed where it's like you pick like a boulder on the ground and you can rewind it and then ride it all the way back up so it's like that this, was cool. Do you know what you know, that fell reminded me of? It, it made me think that they'd actually been watching all the speedrunners and how they'd basically broken mm. that world apart through all of the hacks and crazy sort of manipulation of physics mm. and just basically going let's actually make that a feature. Let's, yeah. go, let's go with it. Well that was the best thing about because I remember when they showed the making of Breath of the Wild and it was like they'd made a model inside the old NES thing where it was like okay we can play with water and fire and wind mm. and like combustibility and all that kind of stuff and then they mapped that across to what became Breath of the Wild and so if you're that team I know that there was a whole thing where they said uh, I think it was AJ and Uma said that instead of doing a new Zelda they wanted to expand on the idea of like the elements and everything that were in Breath of the Wild Makes sense. so it's like if you have this big sandbox to just mess around with and like you said people have taken advantage of that stuff um, then I guess what powers do you add to that? Like a time rewind? I don't know what mm. else you add to that. Um, but like, there's a lot of like momentum and physics stuff in Breath of the Wild anyway. So it's kind of finding cooler ways to like mess around with it. Indeed. Um, but yeah, super promising. I just wish they showed a little bit more of it. But I have a whole theory that they're not doing that because if they show too much of it, we'll all realize that it can't possibly run on a Switch. So <laughs> yeah, I think they're just going to hang back and be like, hey, by the way, it's on the Super Nintendo Switch. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> next question from Jacob Sawyer. If we were going to call Game of the Year right now... What would it be? Uh, it's get rock and rock. I, I just feel like Woo-hoo! there's gonna be such a buzz, such a push. Well, nah, well I oh. feel like it, I want this game to do so well. And Elden Ring is fantastic. Do not be wrong. We've mm. had so much fun with it. But let's face it, people have <laughs> kind of short memory spans. And if you were to say at the end of the year, they're gonna think of, oh, what's the most recent one that I had yeah. the most fun with? And that's gonna be that. I did say back when Elden Ring came out that if there's one like one thing that's gonna cost Elden Ring its perfectness, it's the story yeah. side of it. I love the lore but the actual yep. story motivation. Um, and I, I care enough about why I'm exploring the lands between, but that is the thing that Sony knock out the park and the thing that God of yep. War will absolutely knock out the park. Like you look at that trailer, there is so much going on, so much mm-hmm. that we care about, mm-hmm. um, that if you map that with immaculate gameplay, then it arguably gets above Elden Ring. Um, Sawyer did say uh, the games nominated for, Eld- for Game of the Year. I, uh, I brought okay. that down to one title, but I think definitely God of War, definitely Elden Ring. Um, they're they're definitely the top two. I don't feel like that much else is in the same bracket as those. Would you put? When did Returnal come out? Because people probably, that was a couple years ago. That. Or oh, maybe one. May I, oh, uh, people people will put Stray in there just because it's so <laughs> Stray will be in there for me. It's things you like um, Ollie Ollie World. I would have up there. I think that game's yeah. immaculate. Neon White. Yeah. Total Warhammer 3 has been doing absolute numbers, mate. Like it okay. is like it's been so well received by people. Admittedly, there are obviously some teething problems, mm. but they are. It's a good game. Yeah. Stuff like Sifu. Yeah. Like, I mean, um, like the things that are like mechanically tight and like perfect as packages where it's like not a pixel out of place (laughs) kind of thing. What makes me laugh is the fact that I know that Josh or I are going to pull the same thing because I know that we're going to come and do our... um, Sounds like you. Well, we're going to do our usual thing of what is the best game of the year and probably do a little video (laughs) chat about it. And I know that one of us is going to put The Last of Us Part 1 in there, the remaster. (laughs) Uh, Me and him have already had this conversation. He's 
If, if, if you pie charted that game, how much of a slice is original content? It's just, oh, the rain's a bit nicer. I, no, I don't. I know that you're going to be putting Saints Row in there as well, because I know you love that game. You thought, you thought it was the best game, didn't you? Oh, yeah, that's no, just you said they got everything that. wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's easily beating Elden Ring. That's a lovely little bit of Saints Row. But well, um, still got, um, uh, we still got Marion Rabbids, uh, Sparky Hope yeah, coming out. And you've, and you've got your hell personal yeah, favourite, Sonic Frontiers. Hell yeah, out. we do. We're playing that at EGX. Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to play that at EGX. I might force you to play it. I remember when me and you went to EGX a few years ago and it was when that um, what was that Starlink game was new where you had oh, to like yeah, build your yeah. build your ship with plastic yeah, parts yeah, and I yeah. was like wide-eyed freaking out like a toddler and you were like what the hell is this and I was just like <laughs> I, was, I need to make the ship tools because this is the thing at that point I was so deep into Warhammer that I didn't need any more like more plastic in the house and then it was a case of you were just like yeah but you build a ship Jules and I'm like okay so and then we played the game um, for it and you're like oh the game is terrible oh yeah, sick yeah the game was uh, one big old grind fest it was like Ubisoft 101 we um, should actually yeah. uh, take this opportunity to remind people that uh, Scott and I will actually be and Sai as well will be yeah. live at EGX on the uh, 24th and 25th uh, Scott uh, myself and Sai will be playing a game live on the 25th uh, so mm-hmm. if you want to come check it out at the London XL Arena uh, in just over a week's time we'll be there and you can come say hi yeah Jules will be there on the Saturday Uh, I'll be there on the Sunday mooching around yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be around. We'll find some stuff to do. I want to I play people at Street Fighter. I'll get absolutely demolished, <laughs> but I want to play it. I want to play some yeah, Street Fighter. Yeah, 100%. Well, uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, next what, did you think from, of the new, oh, sorry, what did you think of the new trailer for Street Fighter 6, by the way? The one from last night? More like, yeah, it was a bit more re- um, expansion into, like, uh, obviously returning characters like Blanca back mm. in it again, which is absolutely fine. E. Honda mm. as well and Ken. But I like the fact that they're starting to switch things up with adding new moves in. Like, uh, Blanca now has, like, a little toy that you can throw that can electrify foes when yeah. it gets close, and then he can capitalize on that. And like Ken has like... a new like uh, jumping kick that you can use to launch into other combos. Mm-hmm. I guess they're fleshing it out because at this stage, like cause when they showed Dalsim and he's still going like tug of fire, tug of flame, and I was like, yeah, this yeah. is thirty years old, but like you need these in here at some point. Dalsim's arms are really kind of freak me out. They're like super loose. Like oh, he, they are. They he are baggy, them man. And they go slack, and then he pulls them back in like Stretch Armstrong. It's just. But a I'm bit starting weird. to think that maybe he's losing his elasticity in his older age. <laughs> like it's actually like, like at the aging. end of it, he's just going to have like like big floppy arms, like Mister Tickle sort of thing. Oh god, <laughs> Mister Tickle! I was going to go like <laughs> the um, who's the guy, Mister Fantastic? I can't remember oh, your yeah. reference point oh, for Stretch. I'll just Mister Tickle. But um, yeah, I wonder if because for me that's quite freaky. Like if you were stuck in that state where you were just constantly elasticated and you couldn't. Yeah move that freaks me out in a way it's like a giant yeah. cheese string man like kind of like mr fantastic in um that movie where he got killed in the doctor strange movie but, but yeah i think moving things on though with the street fighter thing it's like people mm. are getting older and i do think that at some point they're gonna do like tekken has done and actually start to think about removing certain characters to say like this is the end of their run sort of thing maybe they've definitely got um because the whole thing with street fighter 5 obviously launched terribly like it, it became a great yeah, game over time bad. but it's terrible at launch in terms of the content you got and everything um i have to imagine that six is firing out the gates with a really good story or in mm-hmm. terms of or a narrative um, you know like a, a lore or whatever to say like these are the old guard these are the new characters and whatever um, but yeah I thought it looked really really solid I quite like the look of that um, story mode in theory like the whole design your character I know you weren't big on it when they first launched it um, but I like the idea because the thing that got me more was um, it's like that big game room that you have in between matches where you can play the original Street Fighter as while you're waiting really fun. and I was like that's, that's really kind of cool and um, <laughs> it's just funny because they show someone like doing a DJ set like for oh, yeah. 
yeah, of yeah, the players. Yeah. And I was like, do you do you pay for that? Like, what is that? Oh, um, 100%. Like, you get to choose the song that plays next. Yeah. Your avatar I guess like, just gets to remix it. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just Giles' theme over and over again. Yeah, but yeah, I guess, yeah. like, um, but yeah, I like the idea of that. So I think the story stuff, I was like, that's kind of cool that you're trying that because I feel like I've since Mortal Kombat 9, everyone's gone like, fighting game stories are this. And I kind of like the idea of, you know, exploring different things, like um, whether it's in Tekken space or whether M Street Fighter does its own thing. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of customize a character and then yell the thing that you know over and over again. Did enjoy the fact that uh, one of the short clips they had of when they were playing the arcade thing showed mm. Final Fight, which uh, obviously when uh, you're consider that you're in this giant city and the whole thing is about like sort of like you fighting against corruption and stuff like that. Maybe we're going to see Hagar and uh, Cody return uh, from their um, mm-hmm. Final Fight series because I know that they obviously like having cameos in the Street Fighter thing. So it'd be great to get them in. Yeah, I think that's just that's the thing is that it feels like it's not a reboot. Obviously, it is still Street Fighter Six, but it feels like a platform for Street Fighter. It feels yeah. like it needs yeah. to be the go-to thing like after they messed it up so badly and Street Fighter 4 was like 2008 it's been ages yeah it was wouldn't it be so funny though if Heihachi dies in uh, so he obviously is out of it technically in Tekken canon at present mm. what yeah, if he's he, right now he's in, in lava somewhere just but what waiting. if he appears in Street Fighter and he just goes like oh yeah, yeah, yeah I'll fake my own death and I'll just go on holiday they're kind of overdue that right because like I said Akuma was in 7 so why why wouldn't you maybe flip it over because um, right now I mean Jinpachi's gone Heihachi's in lava so you've kind of Jinpachi's sucked yeah, hated I hated fighting him yeah I hated fighting him was it five uh, five when he came in yeah, yeah. when he was oh, there when he started so doing annoying. those fireballs that would kill you in one hit or whatever uh. learning how to dodge them made me regain my sanity but for a while that was like oh my god um, last couple of things one question a uh, statement rather from Jack Gingell who says is anyone else looking forward to Return of Monkey Island which is coming out on Talk Like a Pirate yes. Day of September 19th now I think that's also the bank holiday for us in the UK which is a hilarious R-A-B. combo it be Talk Like a Queen Day and oh, play Monkey Island. I, to be honest, I'm actually gassed about that because it's been so long since we got anything in the uh, Monkey Island series. And, uh, and like Benji and Gilbert. I used to like speak about the um, uh, the Monkey Island games at great length for yeah. how much we both love them. So fingers crossed, fingers mm-hmm. crossed we'll get a, a good game out of this. But mm-hmm. I have full faith that it's going to be as irreverently witty as the other ones and very silly and have some some puzzles in there that'll make you pull your hair out in frustration because of the fact of how ridiculously convoluted they are. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, Gilbert's like return. Like I think I and also I love the art style. Like I remember when I first saw it, I loved the art style and people kind of mm-hmm. in general the reaction was oh god it's not as good as the old ones. I like that. I think if it can yeah, no, feel a fun. bit you know differentiable or like identifiable as like the return or whatever wherever it goes from here kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's kind of cool. Um, final question from James Gutierrez, who says, Scott and Jules, hope you're both having a lovely week. Well, same to you. Thank you very much. With the core reunion coming out this winter, that's Final Fantasy, uh, the core reunion this winter, and mm-hmm. Rebirth next year, do you think after the third Final Fantasy VII installment, we'll get Dirge of Cerberus? Uh, no. You know what? No, okay, <laughs> I know that that game is not good. Like, uh, a no. load of people will defend that game just because it has guns and Vincent in, and that seems like it's a match made in heaven. But mm. trust me, it is not a good game. Um, <laughs> you have to basically work with the game in order to love it, and the people that end up do loving it defend it so much because mm. they've got, like, Stockholm Syndrome. But... I would like them to do a retake at this because there is a brilliant concept there. Mm. It's just wasn't executed in the best way possible. If they can approach the same sort of if gunplay the way they've done turn-based uh, combat yeah. by making it more free-flowing and more sort of action-oriented, mm-hmm. then we probably could be looking at a very decent shooting game there. The thing is, I said no as a bit of a joke. The reality is they, in Final Fantasy um, VII Remake Integrate, the, mm-hmm. the add-on, the Yuffie stuff, <clears throat> they bring 
in Dirge of Cerberus characters. They bring in they reference do. points um, mm-hmm. to what happens in Cerberus. So the whole thing with Final Fantasy VII seems to be bringing all of its various installments together to like tell a unified story going forward. And sadly, that does mean Cerberus stuff. <laughs> but like, I mean, I don't mind it necessarily. I don't mind the idea of like the Sviets and all the stuff that's in all these yeah. different soldier groups and all that kind of crap. But at the end of Dirge of Cerberus, Vincent is almost like a god. Like he sort of becomes this yeah. giant flying thing. Yes. And I'm like, yes. how are you going to do that with everything else? Well, the answer is, is that you take the <laughs> remakes approach to most other canonical things and just say, it didn't happen that way. <laughs> and this is like, and instead of a god, he'll just be like, nah, I'm He's just not powered a god. up. He's just annoyed. I'm, He's just broken. Maybe, maybe they'll do it so, like, because they love messing with time mm. uh, as well within the remakes so far. Like, events that happen are now all, like, happening earlier or, like, that stuff that well, isn't oh happening. God, is yeah, ha- the, and yeah. I, I'm so confused sometimes as to what I know from Final Fantasy VII versus what I'm being told is the new lore mm-hmm. in Final Final Fantasy 7 remake so maybe they could just do it so that Dirge of Cerberus happens and mm. at the end of the thing it just goes like yeah like, that was a fun day well, off I mean, let's go meet up with Cloud then where they are right now um, remake as a sequel Like, I have a whole video on this you can go watch yeah. some stuff yeah. whatever but like the 7 remake is nigh on a sequel because there's like a conscious Aerith knows what happened in the original and she's whatever and then like in the newest trailer they're sort of referencing that even more of like oh you're telling me I died you're telling me this happened and it's like yeah. okay you're in this weird like fractured reality Kingdom Hearts thing where you can kind of just do anything and pick and choose I- whatever bits you want to plug in I swear to God, Scott, if they use this to try and get us to play more of Final Fantasy Thirteen with its absolute bull Snow something. just drops in. Uh, the time mechanics in that Still like not- honestly I wish that I'd been in the boardroom meeting when they were like oh you know Final Fantasy 13 absolutely <laughs> bombed let's follow it up with two sequels with the most unlikable protagonists ever I would have Kinda. been like no stop doing it <laughs> stop doing it no and I'd have a little like a uh, little stick with a, like no like a uh, Timmy Mallet's mallet mm-hmm. I'd hit him with that like, not hurting them <laughs> but just enough that the noise would annoy them into the like, little not squeaky strike. thing yeah, like, yeah. Eh, 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 eh. until they back down and start yeah the, the 13 trilogy for as much as I love the look of lightning as this sort of cloud she kind of like is channeling cloud and I like the opening of Final Fantasy it's almost like they realised that they had a good idea once and then tried to replicate it and then they sold you the cloud costume and I was like I I see what you're doing Square Enix but I'm not I'm not biting I think I don't know I feel like they've abandoned that at this point but like you said it was like a trilogy of games Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah the Final Fantasy 7 stuff for me a lot of it is riding on part 2 I'm not sure if Square Enix have done their TGS presentation yet I don't think so Um, oh I think that they have done Okay, Uh, yeah they have done their thing there it was lots of like Octopath Traveler stuff. I need to actually right. watch it. It's the one thing I haven't actually caught Same, up on. because like it is the 25th anniversary of Final Fantasy VII. They um, said at the start of the year that we'll know more about part two of the remake by the end of the year, and we're coming up on that. And it's like, how many other, unless you're going to do like a random live stream or something, um, you know, there wasn't anything at the PlayStation uh, event. And um, unless it's a TGS, like, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they're kind of overdue an update in that regard. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm fascinated by it. Final Fantasy VII grew up with it, know it inside out. I, uh, I'm kind of along for the ride, even though it's so dumb. Like, all the new stuff is so stupid, but it's like once in a lifetime, you might as well just go with it and see what happens um, and see if they can land it. Um, But yes, for now, this has been the Untitled Banter Podcast. The UBP, the UBP, the UBP. Massive thank you to all of you. Massive thank you to all of you. Yes, massive thank you to all of you for sending in all your questions. And for now... What the hell do I go from here? We usually, say, we usually say right here, we say thank you very much for listening. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to What Culture Gaming over yes. on YouTube. You can make sure you stay tuned for all of our other podcast content that comes out on the uh, on this channel every single week. Yeah. And also 
check in at our Twitters at RetroJ with a zero for myself and at slash LP89 for Scott, yes. where each Thursday we will ask for your questions, be they gaming or otherwise. Yes, a massive thank you. And you can tell we're doing this first thing in the morning, but a massive <laughs> thank you, Jules, for, uh, for picking that up. Also, we can plug the fact that we have a bunch of videos on the channel uh, relating to the Destroy All Human sponsored oh, thing yes. where we got up to some shenanigans. We built a doomsday device. We talked to some scientists. We did some stuff. Go check exactly. out Exactly. I still got bruises and slight scarring from the <laughs> final video that will be going out next Wednesday, yes. which will uh, head up this epic conclusion to the trilogy uh, mm-hmm. to bring people up to speed so far. Uh, we got a load of scientists in uh, the room to talk about doomsday devices in video games and whether or not they could actually be made into reality. Mm-hmm. And then I took all of that information, threw it aside and made my <laughs> own doomsday weapon with the help of Hillbilly Nation UK. There Inspired is a literal, there is a literal like nearly six foot tall metal alien sculpture. Uh, go <laughs> check out the video if you want to see what it is because it is something else, my friends. Yeah, we, uh, we were given a budget to do stuff and we did stuff. So yeah, we did uh, a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's all on the YouTube channel. But yes, massive thank you to everybody and we'll catch you all next week. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.